You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Tusei. Before you watch the video, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And all of my YouTube viewers, please hit that little bell to get notifications of all our new content. Now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. So, yeah, I know season two is over, but I couldn't stay away for long. Earlier this year, or for Valentine's Day, I did my first special or holiday special um, with my wife. That was a fan favorite, I think. So <laughs> if you want, you can check out, check out that episode where we talked about our relationship. Well, we specifically talked about how we met or started dating or one of those things. Anyway, today, well, upcoming is Thanksgiving. And so it's time for another holiday special. So today's holiday special is around Thanksgiving. And I have my good friend and classmate here, Una Chavis. Um, in a little bit, she's going to give us some background information about herself. But one thing I will say is that, you know what? I'm actually not gonna say. <laughs> I'm going to allow you to just give yourself, to just introduce yourself now. Okay. I am uh, kind of going off the dome with this one. But praise be to God, this is still gonna be good episode good conversation that's right so yuna tell us about you all right um so my name is yuna victoria chavis i am originally from maxton north carolina and that is in robinson county which is home to the lumbee tribe of north carolina um and the lumbee tribe is the largest tribe east of the mississippi with over sixty thousand enrolled citizens um i am a final year master of social work student with juan and i work um, and student support at UNC Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. And you're a believer, right? And I am a yeah, believer. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So, I don't think it takes a uh, rocket scientist to understand why I asked Yuna to come in today on the Thanksgiving Day episode. Um, before we get into that conversation, one thing that's kind of been bugging me uh, is the fact or that a lot of the conversation that we have about race is mainly white and black and we were just talking about this earlier i in order to understand racism in america you have to understand black and white racism mm -hmm. um, however there are more races there's more people of color there's more ethnic identities other than just black and we're here to talk about those today. Uh, I was, I, I want to keep things like, you know, organic and not just try to come up with topics just mm -hmm. for the sake of having a topic. But this topic comes up every year at the same, the same time of year. So I was like, hey, where are going? I'm going to finally um, have, a, have an organic reason to, mm -hmm. to talk about some, some real issues. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into it so everybody knows the the story that we're all taught in in grade school about thanksgiving mm -hmm. you know the one where 
the pilgrims or whoever and the local native tribes came together and had this um, huge feast to celebrate their bountiful harvest and there was you know they were just there at the table together in peace and harmony in peace and absolute mm -hmm. harmony and actually in all, in all the depictions i see there's they're like not just were they at the table together but they were like mixed like yeah, you know like some white wine yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and so yeah they're like they were they were not segregated at all <laughs> on that feast yeah so i think most people know that it didn't go exactly like that like that mm -hmm. and i was surprised when i found out Mm -hmm. that not only did it not go exactly like that it didn't really go like that at all like that story right. did not happen yeah um mm -hmm. so you know what can you tell us about this thanksgiving story yeah so um i grew up my daddy um was very active in powwows like dancing and things like that so um our schools actually still learned even though i was in a primarily um american indian community our our schools still were taught the story that you're speaking of right now. So that story of everybody intermixed and um, happy, peace, and harmony. Everything was fine. But then our teachers would kind of go off script afterwards because many of our teachers are American Indian as well. And they would say, this is not really how this happened. Go home and ask your parents. So, <laughs> um, so I would go home and um, talk to my daddy about it. And he... Uh, gave me like a Cliff Notes version of like, no, this is not what happened. Um, it wasn't peace and harmony. The American Indian people, which I usually say native, but um, if I mix those terms up, they're interchangeable in a way. Um, so the native people of that community um, actually helped the settlers off the Mayflower farm to survive. And the feast that they're speaking of is the first harvest first successful harvest of the European settlers farming efforts so mm. um, in some of the literature that I read um, they actually discuss that the feast lasted for three days um, but then after that celebration there was no more peace and harmony between the settlers and the native people of that land and it ended up being um, the white settlers murdered and killed and relocated forced out all of the native people who originally inhabited the land that was Plymouth Colony yeah so not the nice right not at all <laughs> flowery fluffy version that we get in school and so with this episode and in this conversation what I want to do I want to elevate and bring to light um, the suffering, the oppression, what a lot of Native Americans or American Indian people like Yuna have to go through. And one thing I will say, one disclaimer is I know just from personal experience, I don't like serving. And when I'm the only person of color, when I'm the only Hispanic person, when I'm the only black person, I don't like having to serve as the mouthpiece for my whole, right. and yeah. like all of my people. So what I'm going to do is I'm just gonna ask Yuna about her experiences mm -hmm. and we're just going to 
learn what we can from her and allow the Holy Spirit to use that information mm -hmm. to make us to make us better, to make us better citizens, to make us better believers, to make us better better neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I feel like that story, so we talked about microaggressions before on the show, and so I feel like uh, maybe the, the, uh, um, I'm trying, this whole Thanksgiving thing kinda might be one huge microaggression. Mm -hmm. um, how, how, so, how, so how do you feel about Thanksgiving? Um, so my family does, of course, does still celebrate Thanksgiving. I was going to be my next question. Um, yeah, we, we do still, um, gather together. We cook and we have that day off and we spend time together and hang out that whole day. And, um, it is a, a nice day for me. I don't, um, reflect throughout the whole day on the history of the holiday. Um, I don't allow that the truth of the holiday or how the holiday started to, steal my joy of being thankful for the stuff I am experiencing in the life that I have lived. Um, the problems that I have with Thanksgiving um, come with like most of the school lessons and some of the crafts that people have their students to do um, to try and teach them about this like the little paper headbands with the feathers sticking up in the back or um, the corn with like all the corn is like different colors but mm -hmm. then the kids are so confused like corn now is only yellow but back then <laughs> it was multiple colors so um i think that my problems come from the ignorance of people trying to discuss this when they don't know the truth and then they use terms like sitting indian style or um making the pilgrims and indians little things where everybody's smiling and happy not going on to discuss the genocide that happened after that so my issue with the holiday comes with an inaccurate representation of actually what happened and then um continuing to perpetuate that even though everybody like you said at the beginning of this everybody knows that's not really what happened but everybody doesn't know what really happened so they continue to tell the story that's not what really happened um so i think that's my major issue with the holiday mm -hmm. yeah i was wondering because i was like i think you know celebrates thanksgiving yeah. is like although i i have known for a while that that wasn't the true story and i just reject that entire notion however i do think like i said well for the i guess mainstream explanation of the holiday to give thanks mm -hmm. to god i was like yeah we, we should give right thanks to god and yeah. so if we have this day of giving thanks then i'm going to right i'm going to take Observe. part in that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um and so you mentioned something specific so like the the crafts that kids do yeah. so why specifically do you not like the uh feather hat um i think i feel like crown, um headband they try to do yeah i feel like um that craft could be offensive or um it misrepresents all native people because like you said i can't represent all native people but all native people didn't wear headbands with with feathers in it so um assuming that the people at P plymouth colony the native people there did annoys me um i think it's culturally inappropriate to do that if you don't identify with the with the with the native culture but also feathers and regalia are sacred in native culture so making feathers and regalia out of construction paper just feels disrespectful to me personally hmm. 
Yeah. That kind of sounds similar part of what you said in terms of like assuming that all native people wore feathers. It kind of reminds me of how like when I told some friends of mine, because I went to a predominantly black school, I told them I was Puerto Rican and they were like, oh, so you eat like tacos and stuff all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like I've never had a taco. Right, yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. no one's, no one in my house, my grandmother, nobody. We never talk about tacos. Right. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. That's right. Like they're Hispanic assuming that people. all Hispanic people yeah. eat tacos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Thanksgiving? Um, I think I think overall it's not a bad holiday. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not angry that Thanksgiving is on the calendar and that it's observed by a lot of people. My problem is if you're going to continue to celebrate it you should probably educate yourself on the history of it. And if you're going to engage in the educational pieces about interactions between settlers and native people, you should also be go in depth about that too. Don't just surface level be like, Oh yeah, the native people helped those settlers survive. And it was just a great day and celebration was wonderful. Cause that's ultimately not what happened. Cause the genocide of a nation happened because yeah. of that. So I think, I think it's twofold. It can be seen as good and bad. I think it's more, more than anything an opportunity for people to learn. Cool. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna progress on with some other topics. So yesterday, I believe, so our governor, um, Roy Cooper, governor of North, current governor of North Carolina, he just declared November as American Indian Heritage Month. And he's got some, he lists some explanations of why he chose to do this. And he brings up some, some points in here that I think are interesting and that we should highlight. Some of them, um, Yuna already mentioned um, when introducing herself. But so here goes, the proclamation reads as follows. Whereas North Carolina's American Indian Heritage Month marks a special time to honor and celebrate the history of American Indian people in our state who have lived in the geographic area of North Carolina for more than 12,000 years. And whereas today there are more than 122,000 North Carolinians who identify as American Indian, representing the largest American Indian population east of the Mississippi River and the eighth largest American Indian population in the United States, and whereas North Carolina is home to eight state-recognized Indian tribes, the Koheri, the Eastern Band, of Cherokee, the Halawasaponi, the Lumbee, the Meharan, the Okinichi Band of the Saponi Nation, the Saponi, and the Suan. Suan. Thank you. And whereas our state is also home to four urban Indian or organizations mm -hmm. that hold membership on the North Carolina Commission of Indian Affairs, the Cumberland County Association for Indian People, the Guilford Native American Association, the Metrolina Native American Association, and the Triangle Native American Association. Mm -hmm. And whereas American Indian tribes have a rich and ongoing history of government-to-government -government relations with the state of North Carolina, a mutual honoring that serves to protect the sovereign rights of our tribes and promote advocacy for American Indian people. And it goes on with some other things, but the, the main facts that I want to talk about are the ones mm -hmm. that I've said so far, and you mentioned this. So, well, actually, the first thing that kind of struck me was that it says we're in honor of you know Amer American Indian people who have lived in North Carolina for twelve thousand years. Yeah, that really struck me mm -hmm. because 
like as a, an American citizen, mm-hmm. like I said before, I don't use the word pride for just the simple fact that God never uses the word pride. And if anyone's going to be pride, pride, or have pride in anything, you would think it would be God, but he doesn't. Like when he says, he could say, this is my son and who I'm proud of. He says, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. So I will say things like, I enjoy certain things about being from America. And I do identify with this country, this region. Like this is, quote unquote, my country. But then I'm like, okay, so America, I was actually watching something on TV. And there's this guy, I think they were in Ireland and or no there was some place in london right and the guy had an american girlfriend he was showing her around mm-hmm. and it was in i guess one of the older uh i guess the older parts of london and he was like you see that right there that building right there he said that's older than america and because it's, it's been there for hundreds mm-hmm. of years and so you just think that, that not only like, there's like objects around that's older than america and then we actually have nations of people who have mm-hmm. been here longer yeah mm-hmm. longer than like than the united states of america as we know not, yeah, yeah like even more so than that we, we've we've been like native american people have been in on the, on this continent yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> before even the civilizations that came here and colonized even existed yeah Mm-hmm. So basically, we have ancient cultures here, yeah. In America, and that was just just deeply striking mm-hmm. and just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I also agree with you saying the thing about pride, and I I wouldn't call myself proud of many things of or anything that I can think of right now, but mm-hmm. I do feel a sense of like connection and home to North Carolina. I was actually discussing this with one of my students today. Um, I asked her where she was from and she said that she had moved out, moved on. Her family had moved so many times she didn't really know what to say. And I told her, I absolutely cannot relate to that because my parents are living on like the fourth generation of land that my family owns. And our house has been there since before I was born and my family still lives there. Um, so I do definitely feel like I now live in Chapel Hill, but when I tell somebody where my home is, I always say Robinson County because that is the connection to the land and the connection to the smell of pine trees. There's a specific road that I turn down when I go home and I take a picture of it almost every time because it's just a row of pine trees that lines the side of the road and that, that is what makes me feel connected to home. Yeah. And also kind of just, when I think of like extremist nationalism and hearing people say, this is our land. I'm like, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it really though? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually had a, a, a classmate in, at Carolina, we were doing an activity and there were two categories. You were trying to connect with somebody you had something in common with and it was like pre-something-something something immigrant or post-something-something something immigrant. And I checked neither of the boxes and he was so confused by that. And I said, do you understand what the term like native means? Like 
native to this land. That's my family. Like, my people are from here. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had instances of having to explain that to people, too, that, like, those nationalist extremists want to say that they discovered this or, like, claim something that was never theirs in the first place. Yeah. And I honestly think Columbus Day is a ridiculous holiday. I agree with you. <laughs> For multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. so, like, so, yeah, he didn't discover anything. There were people already here. Um, he thought he was... In India. He thought he was in India. Mm -hmm. So he got famous for being wrong. Yep. I mean, yeah, of course, yeah, it's, I mean, to them, it was like, oh, wow, there's people over here that we didn't that know we about. Didn't so, know. yeah, that he could have had, a, you know, a great um, contribution to Western society in that respect. But then he followed up by, like, almost, like, immediately mm -hmm. killing and exploiting yeah. the the land's natural resources. Um like straight up genocide he put mm -hmm. he almost like immediately enslaved um yeah. native americans and then black people were brought over because mm -hmm. after um, a sizable portion of those natives on the island died had died because yeah. of exposure to disease and because of genocide uh, through violence yeah and i like to think i probably i think i almost even want I, now i'm even questioning like I wonder if the portion of the people that died because of um, sickness mm -hmm. is like overestimated. Right, yeah, like is it even sizable to the violence that occurred? Yeah. yeah. All right, so moving on, it says that there are more than 122,000 North Carolinians who identify as American Indian. That's a pretty sizable population. Mm hmm. And I don't even think that I feel like that's sizable enough to to be included and mentioned a lot. But can you share what mm -hmm. you were talking or yeah. were talking with me earlier about about like being excluded? Yeah. Um. So that one hundred and twenty two thousand figure, but uh, percentage wise, it's like between two and three percent of the state of North Carolina. I think. Um, so in that respect, you feel like, well, that's nothing in comparison to everybody else. So a lot of times in research, um, or in conversations about race in any space, we're often left out. So, um, there's actually a book called Beyond the Asterisk, um, that goes further into detail about the, the effects of leaving out the American Indian population from statistical reporting. Like it makes us feel like we don't exist or that our experiences aren't valid enough or don't happen enough or not reported enough to be used in research and literature. Um, so I actually recently just had this conversation with um, members of my church um, that we're discussing race and racial reconciliation in my church and most of the time the conversation is black and white. Um, so then whenever it's time to address any other racial or ethnic group it just feels like when they list people out it's it's ne I'm never on that list um, I've been attending this church for like eight years so I'm you know it take it took me a long time to get to the point where that made me angry I wanted to just you know be calm I didn't want to bring the racial conversation into church I wanted to that to be a sacred place for me to not have to deal with it because I deal with race in every other space in my life. Mm -hmm. um, 
but now it's in that space so I had to say something and the response was like well eight out of ten of the race conversations that come across my desk are black and white okay <laughs> so this one out of ten is telling you that it's beyond that is that not valid enough so um, I have a difficult time with um, always having to be the one person in the room who is um, identifies as native and always having to educate other people about my experience and people always being so shocked by my experience that they question it even more mm -hmm. um, so in a way I guess 122,000 sounds like a lot um, but in a way I definitely feel how small we are too yeah but and yeah I was reading so I think North Carolina has a population of like 8 million or something like that. Yeah. It's just some m millions, basically. And 122,000 comparatively isn't that big a deal. But when we're talking about, I don't feel like Christians should use that as an excuse, especially when we talk about this Savior who was the good shepherd, the shepherd mm -hmm. who will leave the hundred, who will leave the 99 to get the, the one. one. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I just don't think that yeah. that is a... Right, a uh, a Christ inspired, a Holy Spirit inspired response yeah. to that, and I feel like in a, in a, in a lot of ways, well, not in a lot of ways, like people people have culture, and I feel like um, Americans have this, and I and I and I had this for a while too. Like we have this assumption that we're kind of that we're acultural, mm -hmm. that we are without culture, yeah, and so that that makes us one. It one it makes us. Uh, it makes us objective. We can be culturally objective, especially mm -hmm. pretty well, not we, but especially and, and uh, particularly white people think mm -hmm. that they can be completely and totally culturally objective as if they're and they don't have a culture that's um, informing and coloring um, how they how they view the world, mm -hmm. and that's just not the case. And one of those things is that so that even us Christians, we have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. American, that Americanized lens mm -hmm. of yeah. of responding to things. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that um, reminder of you know who who God is because He definitely the Scripture says I will leave the ninety nine for that one. So size wise comparison of the one hundred and twenty two thousand to the eight million, like that doesn't seem like enough. But then like what you just said does just put it in so much perspective for me like we might be the least of these but we matter equally as much to god yeah and then it's also like where's this it's i don't think there's a sensitivity to that question either because it's like hmm i wonder why the native people here is like the smallest population why are y'all the smallest when y'all were here first like yeah. just like mm -hmm. I, if, if you were if we got to be conscious of what we're of the issues that we're looking at we can't just look at it right. from like this the snapshot of now well mm -hmm. well now it's a small population so why does it matter it's like no like just think of i feel right. like if like, like now and to be honest i've never even it's just in this conversation now where i've mm -hmm. actually like am, am thinking of it from this light and it just it really hurts my heart yeah um and i feel like it should hurt all of our hearts when we see or hear about any other person um, but definitely people who aren't like us, who are experiencing um, just oppression and marginalization mm -hmm. in, in this way. Yeah, I agree. And um, 
I mentioned this. Well, actually, you might remember this. Do you, so we had a class, and one of the readings we had to read was called The Taxonomy of Microaggressions. Yes. And one of the most powerful microaggressions that you can inflict on somebody is to basically deny their existence. Because if you deny their existence, then you don't have to do anything for them. You can do things to them and not have to worry about it because this group of people doesn't exist mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and like being classmates with Yuna has really, has really, has been hard at times because I'm like, dang, yo, I used to say some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just, I mean, when you are brought, when you're made aware of privilege, you just gotta, you know, you have to fight the urge to mm -hmm. immediately to be defensive and defend yeah. yourself and you just got to sit there mm -hmm. and and take it and I'll, yeah. I'll, I, I as a I, as a black and hispanic person i'm like yo man i got the whole like who's who's more oppressed than me like can't like I, I i i i win all the arguments here no one can come at me and then here comes you and i'm just like oh snap <laughs> oh, and i'm snap. a woman so and that's a woman. whole nother yes. layer <laughs> Yeah, I, I would agree with that microaggression of like just questioning or denying somebody's existence. That just, it's like, how do you come back from that? If somebody's just like, you completely just don't exist. What am I supposed to do next? Mm -hmm. What's and you, my next step? And you mentioned one thing too, that like what the comment that I'm thinking about before, or it might not have been you, it might have been another one of our friends and colleagues. I think Annie said this. Mm -hmm. She was like, she can't stand when people say well you well i mean trying to be nice like well yeah y'all were here first and she was like what do you mean we're here like we're still here <laughs> yeah yeah that was and i was like dang i have i have said that like i don't know if i said that to a native person but i definitely thought it real loud to myself you know yeah. and i was and mm -hmm. thinking that that was like an okay thing to say uh let's see next on this list so because whereas north carolina is home to eight state recognized indian tribes the Koharia, the Eastern Band of Cherokee, the Halawa Saponi, the Lumbee, the Meharian, Okanichi Band of Saponi, of Saponi Nation, the Saponi, and the Wakama Suan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so. <clears throat> um, when I found out that there were eight tribes, I was floored. I was like, eight? <laughs> There's eight different ones here in the mm -hmm. same state. Because... Yeah. The only ones that I know about are before I came to Carolina and met all these Lumbee people <laughs> and Halawasaponi people. I, I knew about Cherokee, mm -hmm. I knew Navajo, and I knew Apache. Mm -hmm. And they're not even, the other two that you named are not even like Eastern tribes. Yeah, they're not yeah. even local. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I found out there's eight, different yeah. tribes i'm like wow like not only is there not only are these people here and they've been here mm -hmm. and do they have i guess like a more like a, a stronger claim to this land but there's like diversity and such vibrancy of yeah culture. Uh, yeah for sure uh-huh um and and beyond that this is something i think about all the time um so the tuscarora nation is actually also in north carolina but it's not a state not recognized tribe so then you even go beyond the eight to add there's like arguably more diversity than even just that eight um so yeah i definitely hear you <laughs> mm. 
Next, see if there's anything else. Nope, that was it. So, before we get into the next mm -hmm. segment of this, of our conversation, um, I wanted to ask you, what are some microaggressions that you've experienced or some things that people say mm -hmm. that you would just like to or phrases people use mm -hmm. that seem to be innocuous mm -hmm. could you explain what those are you've kind of shared some already but can mm -hmm. you like explain why yes um so my experience in undergrad at carolina taught me what all these things were because as i've mentioned already i'm from predominantly american indian community so we don't really question or discuss our identity as much as probably we should but um the i had people ask me what are you um and and i was confused because i didn't understand like what content like it there was no racial or ethnic conversation to to preface this question it literally just was like the weather is nice today so what are you um so that just confused me because I did not know. Nobody, one, nobody has ever asked me that because the Lumbee tribe of North Carolina is so large. In Robinson County, you just assume um, or know that your people are your people. So, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so that was just horrible. That was a very difficult experience for me. Um, and at times, it's not been the what are you. It's just been people walking up to me and starting to speak Spanish to me. Um, and then being angry that I couldn't speak back as if like my family or my parents had failed to teach me my native language or something uh -huh. um or then I've had somebody ask me was I black and then I just sat there for a minute and was like why are you asking me <laughs> what do you what do you mean mm -hmm. and instead of like continuing that conversation in a like, I just want to learn more about you type of way. It was like, well, your lips are big and your last name is a predominantly black name where I'm from. So, I just assume. So, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that this all happened Dang. to me like in my first semester at UNC. Um, but then, like, when you say you're Native American, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Have you ever heard anybody tell you it's so cool if you just say, I'm, I'm white or I'm black? Is the follow-up usually that's so cool? So, I'm, sh I'm I'm looking ashamed for people who are watching on YouTube. <laughs> because that was one of the things when she said that. I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> I know I have said that. Yeah. I know I have said that. Yeah. And it's not rude. That's not rude, but it's like... What? You're talk it's like maybe you're like reading a something or seeing something like a nice shirt or a, a cool pair of shoes for the first time oh man those are so cool but this is like my whole identity as a person i just i just didn't understand <laughs> didn't understand that um i've had people ask me how much native i am um, which is also annoying because i don't know of any racial or ethnic group that also gets asked that yeah. um so <laughs> can you talk more about that yeah so um and can you also like talk about like blood quantum yes that's exactly what i was about to say so blood con quantum is a construction of european americans to verify blood purity it's like the opposite of the one drop rule for african-american people so like if you had this person, both of which were 
created by white people. Which, yes, exactly. So if you think through, like, you have this one drop of blood that automatically makes you black. But if you have anything else inside of you as a native person that limits and diminishes your purity of being a native person. And why do they do that? To eventually stop having to honor treaties and pay native nations. So it was about money. Yes. <laughs> and land. You yeah. know, it's, it's crazy because that, should, that, should, that just goes to show you how little biology there is. Oh, uh, yeah in race mm -hmm. they're just going to use it for whatever their means are like right. if they if they're going to if they can exploit you mm -hmm. by <clears throat> minoritizing you oh mm -hmm. you're going to be right you're going to be that minority mm -hmm. in case of black people but if we've created trees with you and we have to we have to honor that with our pocketbooks mm -hmm. uh actually no you're nuts right you're yeah. actually not brown enough mm -hmm. my friend yeah um so the whole blood quantum thing is one situation in and of itself, but like other, there are other rules and issues that go along in like being a state recognized tribe versus a federally recognized tribe um, that were created by European American people to limit the the reparations essentially, or like mm -hmm. the money or the honoring of the treaties and things like that. That they have to give to people so like as a state recognized tribe we don't get every and everybody automatically assumes just because i'm native american i went to unc for free that's also something that annoys me um i have student loans what i have a lot of student loans just in case anybody's wondering um so that's just something that comes along with the thought of oh you're native you automatically get all these things like no i did not um, let, let, let me go i want to say one more thing about the blood quantum yeah so this is what happened y'all so white people came to this country all right they killed and exploited the native inhabitants and then when they were pressured to help these people what these white people did is they decided amongst themselves how they were going to identify who, who got the help who got who, the status who was in that culture like if mm -hmm. i'm going some if i'm going to some foreign nation that is like multi-religious or multicultural, mm -hmm. i'm going to ask that person like hey can you identify your people for me mm -hmm. and then i'll rely on those people to identify the people who are a part of their culture yeah. i'm not going to get together with mm -hmm. me and the rest of my <clears throat> uh yeah whoever came with you yeah my my, my me, yeah. me and my travel buddies <laughs> yeah i'm like okay so this is and, and, and my experience this is what constitutes right. yeah. a native of this place mm -hmm. and that's the only way that yeah, no. mm -hmm. <clears throat> you can actually claim that right is if yeah. you check our boxes mm -hmm. for how we identify y'all mm -hmm. that's ridiculous yeah it's like when you like and the reason i'm having this conversation is because when you talk because people don't usually talk about race as fleshed out as we do here and people for sure don't talk about <laughs> um native american or american indian experiences as much as this right here yeah and so mm -hmm. when you when you and it's, it's good to talk about it yeah. because when you talk about it when you say, it's like you, you know how you like you, you think something like it's gonna mm -hmm. be funny and then you say it and it sounds stupid yeah and then it's like you believe these things and they make sense because mm -hmm. they've stayed in here yeah and then you mm -hmm. say them out loud and it's just like wow that actually mm -hmm. does sound kind of have dumb. you ever heard that phrase um when you know better you do better mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing right here <laughs> cool Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I stopped you in the middle of your flow. Was there anything else? Oh, the, I think you mentioned... We were uh, talking about microaggressions. Microaggressions, the things mm -hmm. people say. Go ahead. Um, 
So I said, the what are you, the how much are you? This is a big one um, that really, really is annoying. So like, oh, so just, just imagine this is our conversation. Juan has asked me, what are you? I have responded with, I'm Native American. My family's Lumbee from Robinson County. And then he goes, oh, that's so cool. My great grandma was a full-blooded Cherokee princess. <laughs> um, or like... And this is stuff that people have actually said. In to real her. life. Yes, yes. This is real yes. life. Yes, or like my great-great-grandma was Blackfoot Indian. Or like... Okay, but what's the problem with that? Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like they're trying to connect to me through a culture that they don't... Even if it's the truth. I, I honestly don't think it's the truth most of the time. <laughs> but even if it's the truth... You, your connection to me is not through a grandmother who honored this heritage and culture. This is still my real life. What do you identify right now? That's your identity and your culture. This is what I identify as right now. So I feel like it's diminishing my claim, my time, my culture by saying, oh yeah, a piece of me is that. And sometimes I, you know, tell people, but like, are you involved in any other culture beyond that? Um, and why can't we just be friends because we're classmates and we're both cool people? <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that too. Um, I, I also think that white people romanticize being native. Um, like for Pocahontas, you know, the Disney movie Pocahontas. Or like mm -hmm. Sacagawea and Lewis and Clark on their journey and stuff. I really do just feel like white people are infatuated with the idea of having native ancestry and they long to make that connection so they've always heard it it's been passed down so much but like think about what you're saying the chances of like so your great great such and such grandma was full-blooded this so how did your grandpa get with her mm. wow never thought of that <laughs> Um, anything else? No, I think that's enough. <laughs> there was one that you that I remember. I was like, oh, dang, I said that. So, the use of the term powwow. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, my goodness. That happens all the time. Um, even in professional settings, I've had people in a professional say a setting lot. say, we're going to have a quick powwow to mean, like, meeting. Um, that's just disrespectful. Like, a powwow is not a little meeting to have after the big meeting. Um, it's a sacred ceremonial thing not to be thrown around in office lingo as just say meeting if you mean you're going to have a brief meeting with this committee after the meeting say that and stop saying powwow or even like tribe tribe has become popular terms now too there's a lot of um bridal parties that do like bride tribe as their t-shirts and stuff mm -hmm. when they go out for the bachelorette weekend and stuff and i'm just like no <laughs> like you're a group of friends you can find another word but a tribe does not mean a group of friends like this is your culture these are your people this is your blood this is your family this is not the same thing thank you mm -hmm. cool so i want to end the conversation or i end the conversation but the last point i want to bring up is when everyone, I, I as I learned more about the actual Native American uh, experience in 
just from talking to and listening to people, um, other classmates like Yuna and others, and just knowing that a lot, and I guess probably all, especially of the um, initial and continued oppression and marginalization of Native American people was done in, quote unquote, in the name of God. Mm -hmm. I was like, when I hear this, I was like, man, how, how, and like, I know, I was like, I know God is real, like Jesus is real and he's mm -hmm. for everybody. Yeah. But how am I going to get these people, how, how would anybody witness mm -hmm. or evangelize to this group of people that has been so abused, brutalized, killed, and murdered, and continually exploited. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's still happening. It's still happening today. Mm -hmm. The marginalization, the exploitation, um, and, and, and still the rape. Like, uh, I know this is just... Uh, so to, to live on a, a, a reservation, and um, you don't have to be... Uh, you don't have to be native. Um, and a lot of times when... Um, Native women are victims of interpersonal violence from their non-native, from their non-native uh, partner. That a lot of times it never gets sentenced. And I heard well, this one person say, "Well, it was and it was actually a lawmaker from somewhere uh, say that well you can't put a white person on trial in who lives in a reservation because it won't be a jury of his peers." And it won't be a fair trial. One, it's automatically not solving the problem. And you just immediately run into the defense of the perpetrator. Um, and then it's also assuming that Native Americans aren't fair. Yeah, or and, that we ever get a fair, fair trial if we're not on tribal territory. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> because y'all would for sure come together yeah. if, if a Native American person, if, it, if, the, if the tables were turned. Yeah, mm-hmm yeah anyway mm -hmm. and so back to the, the issue at hand in terms of like when I found out you were native I was like cool and then I found out you were saved I was like what <laughs> and then I was like let's like and like she like she saved saved let's yeah. like she read the bible mm -hmm. and she pray yeah and she be invoking the holy spirit in her prayers mm -hmm. and everything so I'm like yeah. so how do you reconcile this how do you reconcile all this mess with who you know God to be? Um, I, you know, I just know that Jesus is is the one. Like I know that for myself. Um, you know, it, it is different for Lumbee people um, in comparison to a lot of other tribal communities because Lumbee people have been living um, free, essentially, for a very long time. Um, there's some readings that we did in class that discuss like in the 1500s, uh, Lumbee people were living in Robinson County in the swamp area already living as the Europeans did. So they had already adopted the religion and the clothing and that lifestyle, but they still lived together as, as a tribal community. So um, I think that for me it's different because my family has always been actively involved in church. Um, my home church back in back home which is not actually in Robinson County it's in Scotland County um which is where my mama's from um is on land that my great great grandparents owned so um 
they donated part of their farm to put the church on that land. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that represents my family's historical commitment to serving God because the land is our is our 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 thing. You know that's how we earned our our families earned their living through the land, and to give a piece of your living away to put the church on it. Mm -hmm shows a commitment to the church. Um, but for me, myself, I've grown up in church. Um, my parents are in a gospel group um, and have been my whole life. So I have not only gone to church on Sundays, but every other time the doors <laughs> of the church were open, I was there. Um, I, I got saved at a harvest festival in the place of a Halloween night of trick-or-treating. I was <laughs> at church um, at a harvest festival, and that's when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I was seven years old. And I lived my life in a way that I knew this was right and if I did this and I and I followed these rules I would I would go to heaven um, but later in my life as a student at UNC one of my friends who was also an indigenous woman and who was raped and murdered um, passed away and that was the first time in my life anything bad had ever happened to me um, that was the first time I ever had to experience anything not going the way I wanted it to go and I was very very angry with God um, and I just did not understand I was like I have prayed I've been to church I followed the rules this is not supposed to happen I'm not supposed to be feeling this I'm not supposed to be experiencing this um, and there was a moment in my in that time of grief that I had my Bible in my hand and I was just like if you don't tell me right now what to do I'm walking away from this like right now <laughs> And I was just out of anger, threw it onto my bed, just walked around, and it opened to Psalm 13. And Psalm 13 is my life scripture because it's David just like, how long, Lord, are you going to forget me? And he keeps going back to that. How long are you going to make me live in torment like this? But mm. then he ends it on like, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, and you have dealt bountifully with me. So I know... That if I continue to trust in his step as love, he always deals bountifully with me. So in my own personal life, I've experienced it. In the life of my family, I've seen it. Um, and I know that what's been done in the name of Christ is not always what Christ is about, even now. Like, it might not be the Crusades, and it might not be... Columbus doing genocide and things like that but there's still stuff that happens now in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. that's not about Jesus but I read the word and I know he calls me to love people and he loves me so my answer to this is a personal encounter with the gospel is the only way you're going to overcome all this stuff that we just discussed exactly Thank you. That was powerful. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing what you shared. Mm -hmm. I would never just ask you to, yeah. to share that, but I really mm -hmm. appreciate that. Um, and I really think it's powerful what you said that you know what the truth is. And I, it just made me think of the scripture. I know it's in it's in Second Corinthians. Where Paul says that the enemy masquerades and presents itself as an angel of light. Mm -hmm. And so... I just think that just goes to show just the realness 
of God and because I I will go back to what I said earlier. I said like, man, I feel like Christian Christians are kind of at a disadvantage when it comes to trying to witness to Native American people. Mm-hmm. And but then the Holy Spirit, I, even just today, I, I had already decided not to have this conversation with Yuna. And even today, the Holy Spirit had to like rework my thinking because if it's if your if our witness is a matter of logic, reason, facts, and figures. Um, and there are facts and figures to support the Bible, mm-hmm. but in terms of it, in terms of this specific conversation, you might see yourself at disadvantage. It's like, but we're not, and we're not in disadvantage in this conversation the same way we're not in disadvantage in any conversation. Why? Because our God is real. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is alive and active. The Holy Spirit is continually drawing people to Him, just like you were drawn by the Holy Spirit. He's drawn mm-hmm. everybody, including including the people who have been hurt. Yeah. In the quote-unquote name of Christ, mm-hmm. and so I had to repent from walking in that fear and from walking in that confession. We have to take captive every thought that goes against the mm-hmm. the truth of the word that goes against the knowledge of Christ. And so I just invite you all to do that uh, very quickly. What would you give? Just like some some advice, some people here who are listening and they want to know how to be just how to talk to and how to relate mm-hmm. in a non-offensive mm-hmm. uh, non-marginalizing non-microaggressive way right to the native american american indian people in yeah i i definitely have a lives. lot of friends who are um not of the native uh culture who ask me questions all the time and i think that as having established a friendship first is is a good way to start um even if you just um just be a person <laughs> yeah i um i think that there's always going to be times you say something that's wrong if you're a non-native person there's always going to be times that you not necessarily wrong or that you don't know things about so you're always going to be ignorant in this conversation so you got to come at this conversation as i don't know this but if you are willing to tell me i would like to know this um, that's how I've approached all of my friendships with people and it's been um, an easier way to just in, instead of just abruptly being like what are you um, I would prefer somebody to say hey um, I was just wondering uh, what is your racial or ethnic background that still would kind of bother me depending upon the setting but it's better than asking me what am I um, mm-hmm. so there's I think there's always going to be a way to ask a question more delicately <laughs> Um, but there's also always going to be a time when you mess up and that's why it's better to be a friend to this person because if they actually are your friend and care, they're going to walk beside you in this journey of learning, um, what to do and what not to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much. So in addition to, and more so than going to your friends for advice as we always do we're going to go to mm-hmm. god because we need his guidance um mm-hmm. without him like he's the one who will completely and totally show us you know basically how i say is like god will tell you about yourself mm-hmm. um and he'll do it in the he'll do mm-hmm. it in love and in the way that, mm-hmm. it, that that it needs to be done but we have to submit to that mm-hmm. we have to submit when it comes directly from him we have to submit it when it comes through the word through our pastor mm-hmm. and through 
our peers, mm -hmm. especially in regards to racial reconciliation. You got to understand that it's like racial blindness and just being racially obtuse is is a stronghold. We talked about that in the last episode. It's a stronghold in America. So like you and your in your prayer closet, as earnest as you might be, mm -hmm. you can just you can be sincerely wrong. Mm -hmm. My mom says that all the time. Yeah. You can be sincerely wrong. Yeah. You can be sincerely offensive. Mm -hmm. Um and that's why we need the Bible. We can't just um mm -hmm. the Bible says let's work out I actually I was about to post it um basically saying that we should we should work out our our soul salvation. Oh yeah. Um mm -hmm. and he said that's we us together. together. The community. It's a community. The church yeah. is a community of believers together. Exactly. Just like mm -hmm. um social animals they don't just clean themselves they clean each other we have yes. to clean the dirt and the grime mm -hmm. off of off of our brothers and sisters mm -hmm. um and we do that led by the holy spirit mm -hmm. and of course the holy spirit will do that mm -hmm. with us one-on-one -on -one. but anyway i'm gonna yeah. go to god right now so lord god thank you so much for this conversation thank you god for you and the lord i just thank you for all of the native american american indian people who are believers and who love you your word said well you directly told the apostles that you know they they believed and you said greater are those who not see, it's not seeing you risen mm -hmm. great greater faith have they that don't see and I and I and I believe that there's a greater blessing for people who have been been trampled on been spit on just been shown the worst amount of suffering po possible in the name of Christ and then who still see the truth. And so I just thank you for just that testimony, that, that testament of your realness, because that, that's how I know God is real. Like, I thank you. That, I thank you for my friend, Yuna, because because of her, I now am more convinced and more persuaded. Like Abraham said, like, I am persuaded. It's like, um, <clears throat> I am more persuaded of the truth of your existence, of your love for us. And I just pray, Lord God, that everyone listening to this episode, Lord God, will receive the rebuke because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Mm -hmm. And just repent from your ways and go forth in your love and just allow you to use this information to, to guide them in their walk like we're supposed to do with all the rebuke we go through um, is to to make us better, to make us more Christ-like, so that we can present it without spot or wrinkle, and so that there won't be factions. You said you said we should not have factions. We should not have a party spirit. We should not be. We should not have partiality. Thank you for showing us our partiality, and I thank you for making us able to be more connected with our friends um, who are Native, Black, Hispanic, or all people of color, all people who will call themselves believers, that we can truly, truly be united with God in reality, not just in word. And we just call it done right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you um, would help us and everybody who's watching and all people who um, confess you as Savior, God, I pray that you would help us to see the parts of you that are in every human being. Um, Lord, your word says that we are created in your image, God. So um, 
I just I just believe that every human being on this planet is a reflection of something in you um, so Lord I pray that you would help us to see that in each other um, and by seeing that we would in turn love each other more um, I thank you for Juan and I thank you for his vision I thank you for this podcast and I pray that you would use it to reach the nations um, I pray that you would use it to bring some reconciliation in places where it's needed um, even that we are currently unaware of Lord um, we ask that you do beyond what we are thinking um, because Lord our minds can't grasp our minds just can't grasp what you what you have in store so Lord I just want to again thank you um, for your love thank you for calling me um, unto yourself um, and I love you and I pray that um, you would just use us Lord for your will in Jesus name Amen Amen thank you so much Una. you're welcome appreciate it yes Thank you for watching this episode of the Saved and Woke podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and sign up for notifications to keep up with all of our new content. As always, you can keep up with me personally at Mr. Underscore Saved and Woke on Instagram and Twitter. And you can now keep up with the show on Instagram at Saved and Woke. That does it for today. Until next time, keep the faith and stay woke.